0: Isaiah 54:17. the first sentence says this no weapon formed against you will prosper so there's no problem in your life no giant in your life no bad thing in your life that's going to win when you've got Jesus on your side when you've got Jesus in your heart, when, when you are believing Jesus to just be himself, you know, all of that stuff is going to bow and leave just like Goliath stood up there and thought he was uh, uh, the victor and David just came and said, no, in the name of the Lord, you're, ha- you're history, mate. And that's what happened. The giant went down. Listen to this, 1 John 5, 4. Every born again child of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our continuing and persistent faith. Hallelujah. Faith is what's going to get you the victory. Faith is what's going to get those negative things out of your life. Amen. When you have faith in the Bible, when you have faith in Jesus, when you have faith in the one who loves you, who is more powerful and all the things that this world can muster, then you know you can beat every test, every trial, every giant, every addiction, every problem, everything that's against you, you can win, amen, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, there are four types of things that we have to overcome in life. I'm only going to speak about one of them today, but let me just say what the four are. The first and the biggest one I'm going to talk about today is ourselves. We've got to overcome ourselves. That's what we've got to do. But the second thing we've got to overcome are negative people who, who drain us or who oppose us. You know, we, we've got to learn how to handle them. Amen. We've got to get over bad things that happen in life whether you call it a valley or a hard time or a test or a trial or a setback or whatever it may be. But but just when, you know, life goes wrong, you know, you've got to get the victory over that. And you can get the victory over that. And you will get the victory over that. And then instead of being in the valley, you'll be back on another mountaintop. Jesus will take you to another mountaintop where life is good again. But the biggest one, which I, I won't say much about today, But we all ought to know anyway, the biggest thing we have to overcome is the devil. You've got to take authority over the devil. The Bible says submit to God. So be the kind of person that honors God in every aspect of your life. And then you resist the devil and the Bible says he will flee from you. He can't keep doing his evil work when you take authority over him in the name of jesus so today i want to focus on overcoming ourself and i want to tell you that for many years of my life i was a classic underachiever and i wasn't a happy person i was a, I was a, an unhappy drunk before i met jesus and one of the prime reasons i was unhappy because i was unhappy with myself because i knew i wasn't living my best life and uh So that wasn't helpful. I I made some silly mistakes. You know, I I wanted a happy life now instead of having to work for it. You know, I took the easy road instead of the hard road uh, and things like that. I I put things off. I I was just lazy at doing responsible things. And, and, you know, I paid a price for that over years of being miserable and, and, and just making myself worse than what I needed to be. But when I discovered Jesus... When I discovered the truth of Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. When Jesus came into my life, hallelujah, everything changed, not instantly, but progressively. And, uh, and I found myself in a place where I just never thought I could be. Amen. Uh, I, I, was, I was beyond the small you know, ideas I had that would be nice if it happened to me and, and God was using me to bless other people in a way I could never have imagined would happen. One of the things I want to say to you is this, stop judging other people <laughs> and deal with yourself. Amen. I you know, it's too easy to do that you know that's what twitter and all these other awful things i hope you don't participate in any of that you know but this is what happens everyone's an expert and everyone's a critic and everyone tears everybody down you know get out of that you know don't don't live there you know but uh but but deal with yourself first and worry about other people you know when you're 110 but uh so So what kind of things do we have to overcome within ourselves? Well, the first one is what I would call emotional problems. The great prayer of 3 John 2 promises us a prosperous life journey if we will develop a healthy soul, a healthy mind, a healthy emotions, a healthy spiritual life, a healthy inner life. If you you get yourself right inside... Then you'll have a healthy body and you'll have a good life journey. That's what the Bible promises. So, I want to tell you this morning that we are in a pandemic, but it's not COVID. The pandemic that the Western world in particular is in right now is a pandemic of depression. We're in a pandemic of depression. There's too many people who are depressed. I'm one of those, you know, that I have fought with depression most of my life. Psalm 103 verse 4 says this, The Lord redeems our life from the pit. Now, now this has spiritual meaning he, he he delivers you from the pit of sin the miry clay and puts you on a rock to stay instead it, it has a physical meaning we, you know after you're dead you know he will raise you from the grave to be with him forever hallelujah but it also has an emotional meaning he redeems my life from the pit of depression hallelujah he will take depression out of your life it doesn't have to be there for the rest of your life it might come back and attack you still from time to time but it'll never hold you captive anymore hallelujah amen psalm 34 verse 18 says the lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit when you're at your lowest that's when god's at his closest hallelujah he draws near to you but 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 you've got to reach out to him in order to experience the benefit of his presence. You know, um, Martin Luther is perhaps one of the greatest human beings who ever lived on this earth. You might not know who he is, but 500 years ago, he changed the church and he changed the world. A most amazing man. And God used him mightily. He had a lifelong battle with serious attacks of depression. One time, his family and friends said, "Oh, look, mate. You know, we're a bit sick of you. Why don't you go away for a while and see if you can get better? You know, if you go to the beach for a while, or go up to Toowoomba in the middle of winter. You know, you'll have a great time." Oh, Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, don't go in spring when all the flowers are around. You know, because you might catch some happiness while you. <laughs> but anyway, so he said, "Yeah, okay, okay." So, uh, so he, he he went away. But when he came back, he had not improved. Because it's not the environment that's the problem. It's me that's the problem, you know. And so, but when he came back, they were ready for him. And his wife, whose name was Catherine Van Bora, had dressed herself in black from top to bottom and all the children. Everybody's wearing black. And Martin Luther walks into the house and says, Oh no, who's dead? And his wife, who was a wonderful Christian just like him, said, Oh, husband, uh, God is dead because my uh, husband, the great Martin Luther, has been acting as if God is dead. <laughs> and, and, you know, Martin Luther goes, oh, no, that's what I've been doing wrong. And he burst out laughing and he said, OK, I'm not going to do that anymore. Go and get changed. Amen. <laughs> and this is one of the things that causes us depression. It's when we think God isn't there, when we think God isn't real, when we think God doesn't care, when we think God doesn't have power to change us and to change our life circumstances. And, And that's the trap that Martin Luther fell into, the trap of unbelief. Unbelief attracts depression. It's from the devil. And if you get rid of the unbelief, you know, you'll get God back on your side, bringing you the peace and joy and love that he is The Bible says that God will never fail us, never forsake us, and will never forget us. Hallelujah. You know, Psalm 42 verse 5 and verse 11 says this, Why am I discouraged and my soul downcast? Why am I so sad, disturbed, and uneasy within me? I will put my hope in God. Hallelujah. I will again praise Him, my God, for my salvation and for the help of His presence and the smile of his face. Amen. <laughs> get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes onto the Lord and everything will change. Do you know Winston Churchill called depression a black dog that was always chasing him? And yet he still was the great hero of England and World War II. He didn't let depression stop him from fulfilling his destiny. Do you know Abraham Lincoln? probably the greatest American president and one of the greatest leaders and and Christians of all time, you know, set the captives free literally. And he had a terrible battle with depression. But he didn't let it stop him from fulfilling his destiny. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, you can do the same. It starts with putting God first. And all these things will be added unto you. One of the things that I found, which is why I wanted that song sung today, I speak Jesus. I found that when you, as the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, when you put on the garment of praise, when you look to the Lord, you praise Him. That that cloud of depression starts to break and 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 lose its power over you. Hallelujah! And I tell you what, if you if you are down, I can give you a quick pick up. Read Psalm 145. Psalm 145 is one of the most amazing pieces of literature ever written. And you might start it in depression, but by the time you get to the end of Psalm 145, you will be dancing in the street. You'll be saying, hallelujah, what an incredible God uh, I have and serve. And look, if you have got these problems, you've got to take some medicine for yourself. You can't just lie down and hope it'll go away. You've got to actually fight it. You've got to overcome it. You've got to do something against it. And one of the things you can do, go on YouTube and put in a thing, overcoming depression. And you'll have all these pastors, you know, giving you ideas about how you can overcome depression and all of that. You've got to learn to cast your cares on the Lord. Listen, you've got to stop watching and listening to things or people that drag you down to make you angry or stressed or depressed. You know, start screening the stuff that you're listening to and get rid of the junk and rubbish and just get positive stuff in your life. Listen to Pastor Peter's sermons a few times, you know, and you'll get blessed and uplifted and strengthened in the Lord. You know, one of the things I had to do, I had to upskill myself. I had to force myself to study. I had to force myself, you know, to improve myself. And, and to improve my future, my vocation, etc., etc., And God was able to do that. You know, one thing you've got to do by faith is get out of bed every day. One thing you've got to do is to take one step at a time. You know, you, you, you've just got to take one breath at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. Amen. And keep believing. The Lord said to me once, he said, Nick, you will not win the battle of life until you win the battle of the day. So start your day with God, you know, and believe God for one day at a time and you'll get the life you want. Now, here's the greatest, simplest cure for depression that that, that any advice that anyone could ever give you if you're having trouble with depression, buy a puppy. (laughs) Get a lovely little dog wagging his tail at you. Get a lovely little dog wanting to lick your face and and play games with you and and so on. Say, feed me, take care of me, love me. You know, amen. It's the greatest medicine that's not in the Bible. Okay. All right. Let me move on to some other ideas. You know, things that I have to overcome from within me. Things that are also mentioned in the in the in the in the song. I speak Jesus. He's Lord over all anxiety and fear and stress. Amen. If you've got a problem with those things, he's Lord of that. Listen to 2 Timothy 1.7. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, love, sound judgment, personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Now you might have heard of people who are scared of spiders do we have any in the house people who are scared of spiders oh look you're all liars look not a single hand you know not a single hand is up you know what i mean what about poisonous snakes you know uh, who'd like to go to bed with a poisonous snake okay you know whatever <laughs> do you know there are there are crazy people who've been so afraid a fear of spiders called arachnophobia and they'll go and do a course at a zoo To teach them how to love spiders. And as part of the course, they have to have a great big tarantula in their hand by the end of the day. They've got to let them put this spider that's as big as their hand and and love it, you know. uh, My daughter did something that, if she'd have asked our permission, we would have said, no! She volunteered at her work to do a snake handler's course. Now, my wife comes from New Zealand. She doesn't like snakes. (laughs) And if my daughter had told her she was going to do a snake handling course, my wife would have had a hissy fit on the spot. Amen. But, you know, listen, what I'm telling you, the only way to overcome fear is to face it. That's the only way. There's no other way to defeat fear other than to face it. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing despite your fear. And one of the things you can do when you're afraid is think to yourself, what would a person who is not afraid do if they are in my situation? What would a person who is not afraid do if they are in my position? And whatever that comes out at, you say, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to act as if, I am not afraid. And if you want a Bible example, the life of Gideon. This guy is the most full of fear character in the Bible. There's nobody in the Bible that's got more fear than Gideon. And the Lord comes to him and says, Oh, you mighty man of valor. You know, it's like coming to the ugly duckling and saying, You're a beautiful swan. (laughs) You think, what? I am? <laughs> yes, you are. And that's what the, the duckling became, the swan. Amen. And so with Gideon. But do you know something? When God said, you know, you mighty man of valor, he did not in that one instant take away the fear out of Gideon's life. He said, Gideon, I've told you who you are. Now I expect you to grow into that. Now I expect you to act as if that's truly who you are. Act against what you feel and do what you know is who you really are in the sight of God. And so you see in the life of Gideon, he has to time after time after time act against his fear and act in faith instead of fear. And every time he did it, God gave him the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God will do that for you. You do not have to stay under the prison and the awfulness of of fear and anxiety and stress and all of that for the rest of your life. Amen. But you can act uh, in faith and you can say, thank you, God. You know, I'm going to win. I'm going to go forward with my life. Hallelujah. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? There's an amazing guy named William Carey, a great missionary, and he said this Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So when you look to the future, don't expect disaster. I love Psalm 112, verse 7. It says, Do not fear bad news. Hallelujah. The whole Psalm's awesome. But it says, Do not fear bad news. So when you look to the future, don't be thinking things are going to go wrong but be thinking the good plans of God are going to come true in my life. When I look to the future, whether it's tomorrow or next week, next month, next year, for the next 20 years, I'm not looking for the negative. I'm looking for the good plan of God to become real in my life. Amen. But then it says, attempt great things for God. You've just got to keep taking steps of faith. Just keep taking steps of love to be a blessing to somebody else If you sow blessing into the life of someone else, you will reap an abundance of blessing in return to yourself. And don't let fear of failure stop you from believing you can go further than where you're at right now. You're not stuck where you're at for the rest of your life. You can break through. You can get to the next level. You can do things that you just never would have imagined that you would have done. I've heard in my Christian life so many times people that never thought they could speak in public and God has touched them, filled them with his spirit. You know, developed their faith and they become great preachers around the world. Just an, an amazing thing. Let me just refer you to another passage of scripture and another set of things that we can overcome. And I'm going to refer you to the time when the Jews were taking the promised land. And when they got across the flooded River Jordan... They did something they hadn't done for 40 years, and that is they circumcised all the men. And uh, this was an amazing thing. And what you'll see as I unfold this is this is overcoming guilt, shame, criticism, and inferiority. These things are inside us, and we've got to get rid of them. We've got to get victory over them. So you're not living under the prison and the, and the thorns hurting you all the time of guilt and shame and criticism and inferiority. The Bible refers to this circumcision as the rolling away of the sinful flesh, rolling away the power of sin in their life. So I can tell you, things that I used to do before I was a Christian, I don't do anymore. Hallelujah. The Lord has helped me, you know, to, uh, to get out of those bad behaviors that were hurting me as well as hurting people around me. You know, the the things that that, that gave the devil more power over me. I, I don't give him more power over me anymore by doing those sinful things anymore. Amen. You know, God has given me not only the forgiveness of sin, but he gives us the power over sin. So the thing that used to bring you down, you can have power over it so that it doesn't. It might attack you, but it won't defeat you. Circumcision also represents something else, not just the rolling away of the sinful flesh, but it represented identification with God. Now, you might remember in World War II, if you've ever read anything about that, sometimes the Germans would check someone, a man, to see if he had been circumcised. And if he had, then they said, that's proof he's a Jew, throw him in the camp. So they they looked for that, a sign of circumcision as an identity uh, of the person. Now, I want to tell you, circumcision is like water baptism. It means I'm in this for the rest of my life. I- I'm a Christian the whole of my life for the rest of my life. Christianity is not a game. Christianity's not, you know, I'll, you know, I'll play soccer on Saturday and, 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 and Christianity on Sunday. Christianity is I give my life to God because uh, I love him and he has forgiven me and he loves me and I know that and I'm his forever, amen. I belong to God now. I'm not my own anymore. I've been purchased, bought with a price, amen. It's a permanent decision to become a Christian. But listen to what it says in Joshua 5.9. It says, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And the Hebrew word there, it means shame, disgrace, contempt, scorn, and ridicule. And in this one moment of an outward thing of circumcision, or we might call it an outward expression, water baptism, the Lord did some internal miracles inside the people. He removed the power of of guilt and shame and criticism and inferiority off them because the Egyptians treated the Jews like slaves, you know, second-class citizens, poor people, no future, good for nothing, you know, uh, all these kind of awful things that uh, people have experienced in life and, and, you know, racism is part of that, that they treated people like they weren't even really people. And that's how the Germans treated the Jews back in those days. But, you know, God comes in this wonderful experience where the heart is circumcised And he says, I'm not only going to take the sin out of your life, but I'm going to take all this other junk and rubbish as well. Guilt, shame, inferiority, the criticism, the lies that have been spoken over you. Amen. And you can experience this today. You can experience the healing of heaven on the inside. All of us are works in progress. I can tell you, I'm not a perfect person. Uh, you know, my wife still clips me around the ear every now and then. You know, uh, uh, said, "Why did you say that? You know, uh, you should. Why did you? Why did you? Why did you talk to me in that tone of voice? You know, or or whatever the case may be. And uh, you know, so so we all have our uh, we all have our, our, our little less than best moments, but God forgives us. God empowers us. God blesses us. Hallelujah. And listen to what this says in Hebrews twelve one and 2. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the originator, finisher, and perfecter of our faith, you've got to identify what are these bad things in my life, what are these negative attitudes? what are these strongholds of darkness? What are these bad habits? What, what, what are these things that, that, that bring me down all the time and and understand they're your enemies when When I was first saved, I, I went out the front for prayer one Sunday. And the pastor came over and said, Nick, what are you here for? And I said to him, I'm, I, I'm here to put to death two enemies. Or I said, crucify, I think. He said, what? What? Could you speak in English, please? <laughs> you know, I said, I want to get smoking and alcohol out of my life. I don't want them anymore. And God, in one prayer and in one moment, took both of them just like that. Now, my father, alcohol was what killed him, plus some cancer. And uh, so that broke something, not just off me, but off the generation uh, that we have started, a new generation with Jesus. Amen. And I'm telling you, there isn't anything in your life that the Lord can't break and can't set you free from in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you, there's a saying, isn't there? Hurt people hurt people the problem is they don't just hurt other people, they hurt themselves as well as hurt other people and you've got to decide okay I'm going to stop the rot just like I did with my family and now our generations we've got myself and then we've got another generation three kids then we've got another generation of grandchildren and we've got one fourth generation great granddaughter you know but, but all those sins of the past, divorces and addictions to alcohol and, you know, adultery and, you know, all of this kind of stuff, you know, it's been broken off our family line. Hallelujah. And it can be broken off you and it can be broken off every member of your family to come. Amen. One of the things, a bad habit you've got to break is negative self-talk. Stop putting yourself down. Stop criticising yourself. You're only doing the devil's job if you do that. If you talk bad about yourself. What you need to do is say about yourself what the Bible says about you. You're loved. You're valued. You're important to God. Amen. You've got a hope and a future. You know, you've got a good life to live. You're blessed to be a blessing. That's what Christian life is all about. Amen. And so we need to start believing these things. And I'm telling you, God will help you. You don't do it all by mental power. You do it all because God comes to live inside you and he lives his life through you. He helps renew your mind. He helps give you courage and, and he helps you identify the things that you've got to overcome in your life. And little by little, you put off the old and you put on the new, as it says in Ephesians 4. Now, I want to finish by just comparing two people. The first is King Saul, the, the first king of Israel. When you look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 6 to 12, you are told there that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon King Saul, and this is what it says. He literally became a different person. God changed his heart. And God gave him a supernatural ability to prophesy. So when you come to God, God will make you a whole new person. He will change your heart. He will progressively change your your mind and your way of thinking and your way of speaking and all the rest of that. It, It will happen. Hallelujah. But with Saul, he didn't stick with the program. He became jealous of David. And he didn't only go back to his bad old ways, but he just kept going worse and worse and worse and eventually going to witches and uh, medium and all this kind of stuff. But the Bible actually says this King Saul, who had his heart changed, he was made a new person because of the Lord touching his life and anointing his life, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, he, he had this supernatural experience of God and all of that but he went back on it all and he threw a javelin to try and kill David and later he threw a javelin to kill his own son, Jonathan, because Jonathan was David's friend. Now, listen to what Saul says about himself as he's getting to the end of his life. Two different times in his life, this is how Saul describes himself. He said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed against the commands of the Lord and the words you gave me because I feared the people and I listened to their voice. I let negative people influence me to do the wrong thing. I sinned. Now listen to his second statement. He says to David, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will not harm you again because you saved my life today. Behold, listen, I have played the fool and I have committed serious error. I have sinned, I've played the fool, I've committed serious error, I feared people and I listened to the voice of this world and I listened to the voice of negative people instead of listening to what God said to me. Now I want you to compare that. That's King Saul. The testimony of someone who failed but who should have won. Because he had God on his side at the start, and he walked away from it. Now listen to the Apostle Paul, what he says about himself. 2 Timothy 4.7 I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he said, now I'm going to my reward. There is a crown of righteousness laid up in heaven for me. Now listen, which of those two people are you going to be? Which of those two people are you going to be? Are you going to be the one that says, I've sinned? I've made a fool of myself. I've listened to the wrong people. I've done the wrong thing. Or are you going to be the one that says, god has helped to change me i fought the good fight i overcame all the negativity in my life i i I stuck the course of what god's plan was for my life blessed to be a blessing amen and and i did by faith what god wanted me to do to be a better person inside and to live a better life outside amen Folks, this is God's plan for each and every one of you sitting here today, and I want to pray for you right now. Father, I just want to thank you for the testimony of Scripture, that there is nothing and no one that is too hard for you. Lord, we can overcome the greatest giants that just seem they're so big they can never be defeated. But David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord and you're going down. And so, Lord, we just speak to giants of depression, fear, anxiety, stress, guilt, shame, condemnation, criticism, inferiority, addiction, Lord, pornography, whatever the thing is that's in our life. We speak to it and say, be gone in Jesus' name. You're not welcome in our life. Be gone in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. Never come back in Jesus' name. I break your power right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon David mightily. And he slew a lion, a bear and a giant and he led some people and he led a whole nation. Hallelujah! Because he stuck with the plan that God had for him. Whereas Saul failed to follow that plan. Now Lord, we want to be like David. We want to be like Paul. And we ask Lord for your Holy Spirit to come right now. To produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. The good character qualities that the Bible promises we can have. And that you will empower us Lord to be a blessing to others, Lord God. That, Lord, that the people will be glad when we walk in the room, not glad when we walk out of the room. Amen. Lord, we want to be those people that, that are a blessing to others. And I ask for every person here today, that right now as they call upon the name of the Lord for themselves, that they will experience something of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we give you thanks for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want you just to pray that prayer for yourself right now. We're going to give you opportunity to come out to the front and, and uh, to receive prayer. And if that's the case for you, then, then uh, I want you to respond today and say, you know what, just like you did, Nick, all those years ago, you came out and you said you want to put enemies to death that are in your life. I believe there's people here today who need to do that very thing. Amen.